Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, Valley sports fans. Wake up, everybody. How is everyone doing? We are doing just fine. We have a basketball team that, according to odds makers, are favored to win the Western Conference. Not even particularly close. We got a baseball team in first place. And we got Kevin Durant in a Corbin Carroll uniform. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Symmetry, baby. It's Symmetry. all coming together. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Excellent. the magic. I thought the magic pairing was going to be the uh, the Suns and the Cardinals. Maybe it'll be the Suns and the Diamondbacks. Who knows? Shock Who the knows? world. Let's go. Who knows what the future holds? Now we just got to get uh, Corbin Carroll at a Suns game wearing a KD jersey. Um, I think it'll. I think it will be. I think it would have been a lot easier for KD to get to Chase Field and sit where he did mm-hmm. than it will for Corbin Carroll to do vi- the other ways. But, yeah. but I still think he can pull it off. Hard to get a day off in Major League Baseball. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kevin Durant uh, had some really good seats. Right adjacent to the dugout, sitting in front of no one, which is good. Because when you're sitting behind a seven-footer, that's a bad, bad break. (laughs) A seven-footer with a bucket hat. I'll never forget, as long as I live, during the NBA Finals, Bulls, Utah Jazz, Delta Center, Salt Lake City. I'm walking the court before the game. Mark Eaton. Remember him? Oh. Former Jazz Center. He was like seven-foot-four. Yeah. He, it, they show him to his seats, and he was sitting in front of this poor girl in a jazz replica jersey. And I just looked at this, and I thought, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. The swing of emotion. That girl's like, oh, my gosh, we got great seats. We be- we're in the these fifth the, row. These are the best. I can can almost touch Jeff Hornacek. (laughs) John Stockton is right there. Now I can't see anything. Yeah. Now Now I'm in a total eclipse of everything. Didn't happen yes the last night. Because Katie was there off by himself. So yep. there you go. Pretty good stuff, <laughs> It right? was a cool scene, though. He even, okay. even tweeted about it. He did. Yeah. So I'm liking this. I'm, and I'm, he was I'm, right. It was a good win. Yeah. No, exactly. So I'm digging this. I'm digging this This dual energy, if you will. You've been calling for it. I have been. And finally, the uh, yeah. the parties that, uh, parties that be are finally uh, cooperating. Okay. We got a lot to dig out of from under today. Lauren, in for Jarrett. Yay. Woo. Start the show. <laughs> Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. 
The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, Zach Gallon and two relievers combined on a three-hit shutout in the D-backs 3-0 win over the Milwaukee Brewers at Chase Field. Gallon struck out 11, walked just one while scattering three singles over seven innings of work. Then Scott McGuff came in and worked a 1-2-3-8. Andrew Chafin struck out the side in the ninth for the save. D-backs opened the scoring early when Josh Rojas knocked in Cattell Marte with an RBI single in the first. Christian Walker tacked on two more with a two-run homer in the fifth. Good win for the D-backs, their fourth straight. They are 7-4 and four in first place, all alone in the National League West. Uh, game two of that three-game series tonight at Chase Field. Merrill Kelly on the bump for the D-backs against 2021 National League Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns, who I think did his best work on L.A. Law. <laughs> oh, wait, that's the wrong guy. Uh, first pitch, um, 640. Pre-game starts at 6 o'clock on the Arizona Sports app at 98. This might be the best pitcher they've faced all year. And if they've faced some good ones. He hasn't been good so far. But but I will say this. The, the D-backs got exactly what they wanted out of last night's win. A level-up moment from Zach Gallon. Yeah, because he had not been great in his first two starts. Yep. And last night, he looked like the Zach Gallon we became accustomed to last so, year. So maybe Merrill Kelly, maybe they do that Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling thing. Yes. Remember having Zach Gallon on last year, and he talked about that, yeah. how these pitchers in the rotation were, pu- were uh, pushing each other. Yeah. D-backs also announced that it'll be rookie right-hander Dre Jamison getting the start tomorrow in the finale against the Brewers. And then Madison Bumgarner's start will be pushed back to Friday in Miami against the Marlins. The NBA play-in tournament starts tonight with two 7-8 matchups. First game is the Eastern Conference, uh, 7. Miami playing host to number 8. Atlanta, the winner, moves on to the main bracket as the 7 seed. And will face the Celtics in the first round. The loser falls into a one-game do-or-die situation against the winner of the Toronto-Chicago game. That game tips off at 4.30. It's tipped off by the Western Conference 7-8 game. Lakers is the 7 hosting the dysfunctional Minnesota Timberwolves at the 8. Winner gets Memphis in the first round. Loser will have to play the winner of OKC in New Orleans on Friday for a shot at the main bracket. The Lakers-T-Wolves so, game gets underway at 6.30. That's that's interesting. Uh, and I really shouldn't go down this path at, at risk of sounding like a hypocrite, but uh, the fact that the Wolves will not have Rudy Gobert, who is suspended for his punch-shove of a teammate, mm-hmm. and he normally guards Anthony Davis, and they won't have Jaden McDaniels, who punched a wall. Brilliant. Who, and he he normally guards LeBron James. Yeah, what could, so, what could go wrong? How, uh, they don't yeah, have Nas Reed. Right, right. <laughs> he's out exactly, too. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we so it, odds are you're going to get a Lakers Memphis, in my opinion, first round series. That's going to be interesting because I think the Grizzlies are going to hand it to the Lakers. Do you? I do. Ooh, I do. Uh, the Seattle Kraken continued their recent dominance over the Coyotes, winning four one at Mullet Arena on Monday. Yotes jumped out to a one nothing lead in the first period on a goal by Jack McBain. But then the Kraken reeled off four straight for the win. They've won all three meetings this season over the Coyotes, outscoring them 16-4 to in the process. Uh, Yotes will wrap up their regular season Thursday night at home against the Vancouver Grizzlies. Cliff Kingsbury's got a new job. He's back. The former Cardinals head coach reportedly headed to USC to work ah, with quarterbacks full circle. on Lincoln ah. Riley's staff. Uh, you may remember Kingsbury had been hired as USC's <laughs> offensive coordinator in late Late 2018, after yeah. he was fired by Texas Tech, and that lasted 35 days before the Cardinals hired him to be no, their head coach. Yeah, knowing his luck, it's only a matter of days before Bill Belichick retires and Robert Kraft offers him the job to coach the New England Patriots. <laughs> it's just a matter of hours, actually. Can you imagine what the reaction would be if that unfolded? <laughs> 
Oh, he'll uh, get to work with returning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams. I wonder okay. if he'll elevate his career. Oh, yeah. Did wonders for Kyler. Well, wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cardinals yeah. made another free agent signing on Monday, inking former Minnesota Vikings cornerback Chris Boyd to a one-year contract. Boyd had spent four years with the Vikings after he was a seventh-round pick out of Texas in 2019. Played in 17 games last season, primarily as a special teams player. The uh, Cardinals special teams are going to be lit this year. Uh, well, okay. Can't There's... spell special teams without lit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You that can. True. Right? Adam Schefter hey. of ESPN reported on Monday that at least six NFL teams have contacted the Cardinals with interest to trade up to number three in this year's draft, which starts April 27th in Kansas City. One of those teams, possibly the Indianapolis Colts, who own the fourth pick and could be looking to move up to get a quarterback. Uh, the Colts reportedly meeting with Florida QB Anthony Richardson privately today and tomorrow. That according to NFL Network's Cameron Wolf. Cardinals also reportedly bringing in TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnson for a top 30 draft visit. He's rated as a top five receiver prospect in this year's class. 60 catches for over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns for the Horned Frogs this past year. Cardinals also start their offseason strength and conditioning program today out at the Dignity Health training center in Tempe. Football season is right upon us, Bick. Mm. And the WNBA held its annual draft on Monday. Not surprisingly, the Indiana Fever selected South Carolina forward Aaliyah Boston with the first overall sec- selection. The Mercury did not have any first-round picks, but they did select power forwards Destiny Harden out of Miami and Katie Sissoko from USC in the third round. And Arizona guard Jade Laville, who also played a season at ASU, was selected 33rd overall by the Seattle Storm. Imagine being an athlete that can claim you wore the uniforms of both the Sun Devils and Wildcats. That is a very, very small group Subset? of people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. GCU and NAU are like what? <laughs> We're not good enough for you? Right. Hey, Ottawa? With, the, with the transfer portal, it's all possible. No, we ran out of time. We might have somebody represent all four Division One schools. We call that the Dave Burns around here. <laughs> yeah. The Dave Burns trifecta. Burns, he needs to Dave get an honorary Burns. degree from GC. That's right. That's what he needs. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's your splash for uh, Tuesday, April 11th. Coming up, Suns gear it up for the NBA playoffs. We'll get into the latest storylines on that next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings on this Tuesday, live from the Akshin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Pickley, Vince Murata. Pickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're as good as they can, right? I mean, obviously, you know, when you bring a player over midseason, it's always adjustment, but, I mean, they're undefeated with Kevin Durant in the lineup. So that that's a huge positive right there, no matter how you look at it. And, you know, look, you just, you just try to look at it on paper, man. Like, we don't know what the journey is going to be. We don't know what's going to jump up, foul trouble, injury, whatever it is, right? All I do know, and K-Ray will agree with this, you look on paper at our team, we can beat anybody. Teddy Johnson, Suns analyst, on with Wolf and Luke yesterday with K-Ray sitting in for a Wolf here on Arizona Sports. That is a fact. Teddy Johnson uh, stating the fact that the Suns on paper mm-hmm. can beat anybody. The problem is you don't play the NBA playoffs on paper and... 
Look, we've never, again, we've never seen a situation like this before. A player of the quality of Kevin Durant coming to a new team and playing only eight games before the playoffs start. Mm -hmm. And there is a zero in the loss column. I'm breaking news here when I say this. That zero will not stay there. It gives you great hope going in. Um, but I, I still, I, I, I still don't have, think anybody has. I don't think people have that bizarre expectations. I don't think they I, expect to never lose a game. With I all due respect, I don't think that's. But I when, don't think that's an expectation but, for anybody. And if it is, check yourself. But when people bring up the fact, well, they haven't lost with Kevin Durant. Yeah, right. well, they're going to. Well, they are going to. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, this is interesting because the Suns are getting. Uh, the Suns are in the exact same position they were at this point last year. Favored to win the Western Conference. How they got there couldn't be more different, and how they're being received couldn't be more different. Um, they become quite a national talking point. There are people who really believe in what they have, people um, like Kevin Garnett who spoke out about it yesterday. And you got trolls like Kendrick Perkins who think they're going to lose in the first round. KD is that dude. He's that polarizing guy that a lot of people draw them into the conversation. That's that's going to be an element to this playoff run that was not there last year. This is going to be more marquee. This is going to be more eyes on us. For Ab- better or worse. Absolutely. Um, now, one of the things that you look at on paper, if you, if you were going to list your concerns for the Suns, number one on that list is probably how much time have they spent together on the court actually honing their, their chemistry going into the playoffs. But then you work down, and, and really high on that list, too, is the bench. And there's been a lot of discussion on this show and other shows expressing concern about the bench. There's been times where the bench has been brilliant. There's been other times where... You wonder who's going to step up and take playoff minutes. And I think we're still in that mm. boat, you know, less than a week away from, from game one yeah. of this series. If you're comparing the benches, I can break this down very simply right now at this point of the week. And I say, if it comes down to the big four for the Suns and they dominate, they're going to win this series rel- mm-hmm. relatively easy. If they have to rely on their bench to any degree, I think they're at a disadvantage in this series. I think the Clippers have a superior bench. Yeah, that's yes, but, but I would I, I think the latter when it comes to the playoffs matters less. Now the only way it, it does matter is if the Clippers can find the right rotation of guys to throw at KD and Devin Booker defensively to wear them out a little bit. Because as you said, they're going to be playing big minutes. That to me is the only way that that the Clippers' depth could really impact this series if Ty Lue uh, can design a defense that l- doesn't allow. KD to go off, doesn't allow Devin Booker to go off, involves a lot of doubling and a lot of substituting. That, to me, would be the only fear about the depth. Um, But I think a lot of what the Clippers do and do well, the Suns naturally have answers for. It's like, you look at the bigs that the Clippers have. They're very active. They're kind of physical. Evita Zubats and and, uh, Mason Mason Plumlee. And yet DeAndre Ayton, for whatever reason, always plays well against the Clippers, mm-hmm. or seems to. So those guys don't bug him all that much. Um, and and I look at I, I look at things like just what's the, the camaraderie, the cohesiveness, what's behind these teams, and and where are the, the vibe inside these teams. I think the Suns are in a real, real good place going into the series. I think they know it. Uh, I've said this for forty eight hours now. In my way of thinking. They could not have scripted or played out the final two weeks of the season any more sage than in which they did. And so now they have put themselves in a great position. 
I, I agree with that. Uh, to, to this point, they've played it really well. But now the slate gets wiped mm-hmm. clean. Uh, they just saw the Clippers on Sunday. Not obviously the team that they'll put out there during the playoffs. Ty Lue, the head coach of the uh, Clippers, talked about it after that game. What's it going to be like to face the Suns in the postseason? I mean, we got to be ready to play or we'll be going home. You know, so we understand that. We understand what's at stake. And we know we're, we're facing a good team. Um, but, you know, 82 games, you know, it's a long season. Guys in and out of rotation. A lot going on. And so, for me, I just want to just, you know, thank my coaching staff. You know, it's been a tough year for us. You know, all year just grinding. And, you know, Kawhi missing 30 games. PG missing 30 games. Norm missing 25. Like, it's just been a, a roller coaster of a season. But to, um, for our coaching staff to stay with it and um, continue to compare, uh, prepare these guys the way we have and then the guys in the locker room for fighting every single night, you know, um, playing through adversity, playing through tough times and, you know, getting here and, and um, solidifying the fifth position, that means a lot. It says a lot about our guys in the locker room. So I'm just happy with it with that overall. When you add in the questions too, Bick, about the the availability of Paul George right now, it's it's starting to sound like that language is getting softened up a little well, bit. Like he's a, making progress point. and he won't be there for the beginning well, of the series, but if it progresses, he might be able to make an appearance. I actually watched that podcast he was on and they were very coy about his return as in as in their their the vibe they were giving off is that Paul George is going to surprise people with when he returns in in a good way for the Clippers, that he is going to be part of this series. That was the vibe. I don't know if you watched the whole thing. I didn't. But the way they talked about it, there was a lot of wink-wink going on, and and one of the hosts said, oh, yeah, I'm telling you, expect him sooner than you think, people. And you know how those things get among friends. They get very braggy and, you know, whatever. But it, it's, to me, I'm like, is... But the Clippers are the Clippers capable of this pushing themselves physically? <laughs> right. I mean, so did, I'm not betting on it. Two but, members of their team did get into a physical pushing match on the, uh, on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> so so if Paul George were healthy enough to come back for a game six or a game seven, uh, I think that's why it's I, I think that's why it's very very important. The Suns just lock in and take care of business in those first two home. Just jump on the team because the, the faster you jump on the team, the less likely that scenario unfolds. Yeah, when there's a glimmer of hope, let's say the Clippers split the first two in Phoenix and mm-hmm. maybe are able to take game three in L.A., that's going to energize Paul George to you know maybe ramp up that, that rehab and get in there. If, and if he's close and you have an opportunity to seize that series, yeah. he's more likely to play. So you're exactly right. I think, Jump on the Clippers early, win the first two games in Phoenix, yeah. and put the onus on them. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about this last night. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think I think the Suns, um, one of the early early un- X-Factors, if you will, for the Suns, it's going to be Josh Okoge. I think he is going to be in a position to flash in these playoffs, and I think he's going to. I think he's going to have moments defensively. I think he might even guard Kawhi a little bit. And, and I think that he his physicality and, and what he brings to the team, I think it's going to shine. So maybe I'm way off on that, but I, I think this is going to be a very good postseason for him. Well, they need him to be that guy, especially in this series, especially if he's matched up at times against Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see a lot of Torrey Craig against Kawhi Leonard in this series, mm-hmm. too. As uh, as it progresses, uh, the Suns are back in the playoffs, and we're giving you the chance to score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Just text the word "ticket" to six twenty six twenty. Register and listen for your name during the seven a.m., twelve p.m., and five p.m. hours starting tomorrow 
for your chance to qualify for Game 1 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. That's ticket. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting all choked up here. Uh, ticket to 620-620. Do you think the NBA is ever going to announce a tip time, by the way? <laughs> it's on? just vibes. It'd be nice for them to get around to that, wouldn't are, it, Vinny? Are they on that? I'd like, yeah. to, I'd like to plan my Sunday. Yeah, how about that? Just saying. Yeah, just show up. Uh, coming up next, uh, Zach Gallen returns to 2022 form last night at Chase Field. Big win for the D-backs. We'll cover it all in D-backs Daily next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona. Arizona Diamondbacks Baseball. D-backs Daily. Brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call Texter Chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Hey, look, Bick. The D-backs had a game that wasn't against the Dodgers. Sorry yeah. to see them go with the way the uh, Diamondbacks dominated them. But the Milwaukee Brewers, another first-place team in town, starting a three-game series at Chase Field last night. And the D-backs offense got started very early. Cattell Marte leads things off in the bottom of the first inning with a double. Didn't take long for Josh Rojas to knock him in. The first pitch is grounded back up the middle. Center field base hit. And the Diamondbacks shoot on top, one nothing on the RBI single by Rojas as Marte comes in to score from second base. They just keep it going. Yeah, it would stay one nothing until the fifth inning. Maybe something cooking in the fifth inning for the Brewers with uh, Terang on first base. But Gabby Moreno says, nope, none of that. There goes the runner off first. The ball, the throw down is good. And the man is out at second. What a throw by Moreno. And the tag applied by Marte. Caught stealing. Is Terang to win the inning? The Brewers taken care of. Two to four on the putout at second base. And Weimer is left at the plate. And then the scoreboard would change. In the bottom of the fifth, courtesy of a long ball from Christian Walker. Sky to right, hit it pretty well. Back on it goes Yelich at the wall. He leaps. It's gone. A two-run homer for Christian Walker. And the Diamondbacks now lead it three to nothing. Just got over the wall on a leap at the wall by Weimer. He didn't get it. And Walker's got his second of the season. Yeah, and this uh, 3 nothing at that point, but this game was really about the performance of Zach Gallen, who was masterful on the mound for the D-backs. Gallen into the wind of the pitch. And a swing and a miss struck him out. Well, he's using the changeup this Sunday, and it's been very successful. Two up, two down. They just can't figure him out. 11 strikeouts, Greg Schulte yeah. and uh, Tom Candiotti on the call. They're 3 nothing. the final score as the D-backs take the opener. Very efficient night for the Diamondbacks. They, um, they produced offense within like 15 seconds of coming to the plate in the bottom of the first so they kind of continued that momentum and and it was the Zach Allen show and and what he did was exactly what a lot of people wanted to see they wanted to see him look comfortable get into a rhythm and look like an ace and that's exactly what he did um, so yeah so this is uh, a, a, and onward we go 7-4 and four, a baseball team that that is among the early talking points it's, it's fascinating to be in a division with a couple of teams that have committed to spending money the way the Dodgers and the Padres have. Nothing new for us here. It's It's been our story yeah. ever since we've become a baseball franchise. The Padres have never just been involved the way that they've been. Yeah. Giants are also a big sure. t- big time spending outfit. So so I, I think the difference, the runaway spending in Major League Baseball has never been more profound than now. And it's never been more profound in our lives than right now. 
And here, through 11 games, it almost feels like we've got the baseball team to combat all of that. Yeah. Uh, Which LaBelle. was the point in the first place. Yeah, well, Build something that allows you to compete with teams that are spending four times as much money as you are. And the construction of this aligned at least very well early on with the change in the baseball rules. And the D-backs are kind of exploiting that oh, a little bit to this point. I, I don't even... I You should look this up for me, but uh, anecdotally, when Gabriel Moreno threw out that guy at second base yesterday, I thought to myself, the Diamondbacks' success in terms of stealing bases versus their opponent's success... That if, if there's a metric for that, I'll bet you the Diamondbacks are at the top of the league. Like a stolen base differential? A differential. I'd have to exactly. look it up. Yeah. Now, last night was not the greatest uh, example of the D-backs wreaking havoc on the base pass because Wade Miley is so good at uh, you know the numbers that he's been able to prevent base stealing during mm-hmm. his career. It's crazy. He's got more pickoffs than stolen bases against in his career. So yeah. last night wasn't necessarily the advertisement wait, 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 for the wait, running wait, wait. game. Run that by me again. More pickoffs than stolen bases, uh, successful stolen bases against him. Oh, that's and insane. I don't. And they said it on the broadcast last night, and I don't know what the time frame was, if that was a full career or just kind of a, a, a snippet of years, but still an amazing statistic. I, I think was what was also interesting going into last night, so Zach Gallen had a couple of starts when he did not look like an ace, which was unusual given the way he finished last year. And, and people who know how cerebral he is and how process-driven he is and how in his own head he can be wondered about, okay, are, are, is this pitch clock going to mess with him? And the first two games provided a lot of evidence for, um, I won't call alarm, but it, evidence that bared noting and watching. There was the opening day start against the Dodgers. He ran out of gas in the fifth inning. Uh-huh. He got flustered as things started to get a little haywire. And then not much better against the Padres. Maybe even a tick worse against the Padres in his second start. Um, according to Nick Pecoro in AZ Central Sports, he showed up to the game yesterday wearing a hat that said, don't trip. <laughs> as in, that's Aaron Rodgers' relax all over. Basically, but in, in Zach Gallen terminology. And, and yet for everybody to make such a big deal about how big of a de- of how little of a deal it was mm-hmm. kind of tells me that this was something a lot of people were watching. Yeah. Because his comfort level as an ace is foundational to everything this year. And he talked about it afterwards that he wasn't very worried about his performance in those first two starts. You know, always having that, like, this is, is, is nice. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a confidence boost, but I, mean, I really wasn't too worried about it, really. Um, you know, it's two starts so far. Now it's the third. I mean, I'm going to play make maybe, you know, at least 27, 30 more of these. So, yeah, I mean, just understand it's a long season and, you know, try not to worry about too much about two starts. Um, you know, so that's why I wore the hat. Don't trip. So everyone take a, take a step back. Um, just, we'll put in the work and see what we got. And Tori Lovello said uh, the whole night was about number 23. Yeah, today was all about um, Zach Allen. You know, what can you say? Seven unbelievable innings, um, 11 strikeouts, um, three hits, low pitch count. It was just one of those days where everything was was going for him, and, and he was never out of any count. He'd get himself right back into it with any pitch at any time. I just thought it was one of those typical Zach outings that he should sit back and enjoy the ride because those, those are fun games for everybody to watch. Yeah, mentioned it in the splash now. you got Merrill Kelly following. And the Diamondbacks facing two really tough pitchers the mm-hmm. next two days. They get Burns today and Woodruff tomorrow. We're talking about the D-backs continuing to win. Uh, and the Brewers are a good team. Make no mistake about it. They just they didn't look very good last night because they couldn't get the bats going. But, you know, you asked the question yesterday, when 
when does the Valley start to notice? Mm-hmm. And I think if they can get through a series win with the Brewers and head out on the road for this road trip to uh, Miami and I think it's St. Louis on the on the back half of it, that'll be the first for the for the real early adapters. Mm-hmm. That'll be the first time to get to get really excited. Yeah, this schedule has been. A bear, and if you look over in the American League at what Tampa Bay is doing, Tampa Bay is ten and zero, but they've played four last place teams. Mm-hmm. So there's a you know a, an air of caution there. To go ten and zero is, is pretty rare, but to do it against bad teams says something. The Diamondbacks are winning games against good baseball teams. Completely different. Yeah, it's it's also at the very beginning of the season, so we don't even know who is good and who isn't good. Uh, but yeah, I, I get your point. I, I yeah, there's there's a lot of credibility to what they've done. Uh, I would also say though to to temper what you're saying that the first six games, whatever it was, where we thought, man, this team is lucky to be 500 given the yeah, way they played. True. So it it hasn't been all that. It's it's just been that recently. It became that pretty much Saturday and Sunday, Friday Saturday and Sunday. I think were the were the launch parties for this baseball team, and now they're in a nice little roll. So yep. we'll see where it goes. Four straight. They'll try to make it five tonight, and it was cool that uh, Kevin Durant was there. He yeah. wore a Corbin Carroll jersey, and uh, Carroll actually talked about that after the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, literally, you know, seven year old Corbin, right, going and watching him, and for you know him to be there, like watching us, that was that was pretty cool. KD ingratiating himself well, to the Valley. I, I think that, it, to me, is just such a great, great story. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about a guy that claims he was a little kid in Seattle walking to the arena to watch KD, and now KD's watching him wearing his uni. Yeah, that's got to be a trippy moment for anybody. But but the fact that Kevin Durant is there watching, that adds credibility to the baseball team. Absolutely. So there you go. So that's this I, is, yeah, it's good. It's can, all good. Can I add one more point, too? Because Corbin Carroll's done basically everything right in his short Major League Baseball career. And he talked about supporting the other Valley teams and how he wants to, you know, go to a Suns game with a KD jersey. And then he said this. Um, you know, just trying to support the Valley teams, right? I don't know. The, the Cardinals might have some work to do. I'm a pretty big Seahawks fan, but, um, <laughs> you know, just I think it's, it's just it's cool to see, you know, teams support each other. I'm kidding, of course. But, you know, Seahawks are not very well liked here. Yeah, the Cardinals no, do have no. work to do, too. Say, are the Cardinals well liked here right now? <laughs> well, touche, Sarah. Touche. Everyone's uh, got work to do right now. D-backs and Brewers tonight, game two of that series. 640 first pitch. Kelly against Burns. You can hear it on the Arizona Sports app and uh, 98.7. Coming up next, we've got another development in the situation between Terry McDonough and Michael Bidwell, Uh-oh. and it involves a third party with some Uh-oh. very strong language in it. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is the Tuesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, coming to you live from the Auction Community Studios here at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Lauren Koval in for Jared Carlin, who will be back later this week. No, he didn't get fired. Uh, last week, we touched on the story that came out, the the arbitration filing from former Cardinals executive Terry McDonough uh, that went over a lot of different things. There was the burner phone, uh, quote-unquote, accusation. Mm-hmm. There was the accusations that Michael Bidwell had kind of created this culture of fear in the workplace, that, uh, abusive, widespread workplace misconduct. Uh, and also claims that uh, Michael Bidwell had 
put the stops on a 2019 corporate cultural assessment of the organization that was being conducted by an outside firm. Well, that story is still out there. Uh, the arbitration process is ongoing, I would imagine. But there's a new development. Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, uh, obtained a letter uh, from Ron Miniger, a former Cardinals executive from 20, 2000 to 2019. So this letter was dated 2019, uh, December of that year. In August of 2019, Ron Miniger was suspended by the Cardinals organization after a DUI arrest, and then he was, uh, you know, he later was, um, you know, exited the organization. Mm-hmm. But some of the language in this letter, um, and this was a letter from Miniger to Michael Bidwell. Uh, some of it said, quote, you're not the guy I met back in 2000. You used to smile and laugh a lot. You used to be fun to be around. You were excited about the future and what it would mean for our organization. You worked your ass off and started to see the fruits of your labor. I acknowledge that you have had to deal with a ton of issues this past year, but you come to work angry every day. You talk down to almost everyone. You become arrogant and condescending. You need to get credit for everything when things are going well and are quick to point the finger at everyone else when we are struggling. Our lack of sustained uh, sustained success combined with your daily anger is extremely frustrating and makes me feel like I've squandered 19 years of my career here. All right, so uh, some context for all of this. Ron Miniger had been a lifetime employee for the Arizona Cardinals. He was uh, a a top lieutenant to Bill Bidwill for the longest time, and and I think he was sort of always protected because of that status. Um, Things changed for Ron Miniger when he got a DUI early. Earlier that same year, that yeah. same year, that letter would that letter that reads and sounds like a resignation letter with some shots taken on the way out. Some yes. hard truths delivered on the way out from a guy who uh, may or may not have been getting pushed out. Sounds like that might yeah. have been the case. And that here. was a four month period between yeah. the, the arrest mm-hmm. and that letter. OK. And so and and as I've said before, yes, there the, the, the deconstruction of the Cardinals. They went they went from the very top uh, to the to the basement very quickly. And I think we've all kind of seen uh, the results of it all. What I think is interesting about this letter, aside from the personal animus that exists between these two men, is the fact that Ron Miniger directly confirmed um, Terry McDonough's allegations regarding this employee survey Uh that Terry McDonough alleges Michael Bidwell intercepted and ended because the early returns were way too negative. That it was disclosing a very, very toxic workplace that, that that needed to be addressed. And so instead of addressing it, it was ripped up and swept under the rug. So all the stuff personal between these two men, uh, there's a lot of backstory to it. There's a lot of nuance to it. There's a lot of interrelational. There's a lot of history to it. What I think would be interesting to the league if the league were actually interested in pursuing this, and I'm not sure where the NFL is now in this. I know if this is the NBA, the response might be a little more um, direct, but but I think that if you are looking for the the real um, influential point, that's where you're going to find it. So if Michael, so if this was going on and Michael Bidwell intercepted this because he was fearful of the results, well then you've got then then this is an issue. Then there is a toxic workplace because yes. if if you remember the Terry McDonough thing, it's it, it, it to me it was it wasn't just the burner phones it was it was a lot of stuff it was as Mike Sando pointed out the responding to retaliation um, accusations by retaliating more 
that that to me it, it, that's that's the stuff that makes you go what it's like when you heard during the NBA investigation of Robert Sarver that they contacted some of the witnesses mm-hmm. you're like who does that not a good strategy no no it's not no. a good strategy it comes off as threatening right. obviously it com- exactly and it comes off as retaliatory and threatening and intimidating and bullying and and so some of these are the charges and and I think more to the point what it speaks to here is what you brought up I believe last week if is is the story of Terry McDonough the overinflated grievances of somebody who is no longer on a good career path, who's blaming others, who had issues of his own and a one-off, and, and something that really is nothing, like a lot of people think the Sean Coogler incident might be, or is this something that expands because it resonates with people? It yeah. speaks to other victims. We're going to find out. Well, this is the first little bit of evidence that it's expanding. To add to this, Ron Miniger in September of 2022, so last September apparently corresponded again with Michael Bidwell, a note expressing regret for the 2019 letter. And then uh, uh, Ron Miniger said um, that he, he, he doesn't, he regrets the, the 2019 letter, but he's standing by it, and mm-hmm. he'll participate in the arbitration process despite the fact that he's disappointed that his personal letter to Michael Bidwell well, is now being used in this McDonough versus Bidwell right, situation. Right, because so, – so so there is a there's a letter that Ron Miniger, and you just sampled from some of it, that is in this evidence framework, and yet the Cardinals also have another piece of correspondence from Ron Miniger to Michael Bidwell apologizing yes. for his actions. So, it, so Michael Bidwell and his attorney are saying these two things are kind of related, aren't they? I, I mean, it's, and and what Ron Miniger is saying, no, they're not. I'm a thousand days sober as part of my recovery plan. Mm-hmm. You reach out to people you may have, you know, hurt. And he's standing by the words that he wrote in 2019. He's standing by the words he wrote to Michael Bidwell in 2019. And again, the, uh, it, it, there's a lot of personal animus on both sides. The point about intercepting an employee survey. For fear of the results, that that's that's corroboration of yes. one of Terry McDon- McDonough's primary points, and that's the biggest point in all of this. The rest of it, to me, sounded just like you know, illustrating a, a boss who was in a bad mood a lot. And yes, does that trickle down and create a culture? Certainly, mm-hmm. it can be. But it also what what I took away from this is that Ron Miniger is a guy that over the last. Three plus years has done a lot of soul searching into his own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, had an unfortunate incident in August of 2019, but is uh, doing his best to make amends for it now. A thousand days sober, um, you know. And- yeah, I have I haven't spoken to him since, but I but I do think that, like I said, there's there's a lot of nuance to this. There's a lot of interrelational, and there's a lot of history behind yeah. this. It's it's just a matter of now, does this thing continue to expand, yeah. or does it not? And what what the NFL does? Are they and going the to sit, does. sit back and watch for others maybe to come forward? Or are they going to get ahead of this and, and investigate on their yeah. own? Maybe through an external uh, an external firm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think I think a couple things here. I I, th- I think if this thing expands, I think it, we we need to really kind of focus on the fact that, that Michael really needs to to look in the mirror and realize if I've got a culture issue in this organization, am I a part of the culture problem? And if I am, what do I do about that? Mm-hmm. If I've been a contributor and not just somebody who's trying to correct it, then how do I correct that? How do I police myself in this situation? That's the and, and this is why I continue to say hire a team president and just back away from this. Let the culture be created by football people. Just 
do what you do. Yeah, I don't think there's that's, any. That's I, that to me is the cleanest, simplest, most first logical step. first step yeah. out of this. I would agree with you. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, NBA playoffs getting ready to start. And depending on who you ask, the Phoenix Suns are the odds-on favorite to come out of the West, but not everybody in agreement. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.